Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to flow through this room today, God. That our hearts will be open and ready to accept your word as a seed, God, that will grow in our lives. We worship and praise you and thank you for this time in your presence. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you are excited that I made candy show up here? Yeah! She's always here, but I made her come up here today. You're up in the focus. Sister Charlotte? Yes, please, testimony. Please. Yeah, I gotta say, God is good. Amen. Yeah. Cross the street is hers. Woo! Yes, claiming territory for His kingdom. That is awesome. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. See, and that's awesome because it. You know, Everybody in here has been saying the same things, man. Like, the more we believe and we stand on the promises of God, yes. He backs His word. If we don't believe it, it's right. not going to happen. Yeah. I also have a question to you today because I've been struggling with my insurance, paying some of the things. And so, for my 10 day hospital stay back in February, that they had yeah. paid, they said, because I did pre approval, pre off practice. I was like, okay, but well, whatever. And that's it. The more he's dumping his love and his blessings into our life, we better be we better be turning around and giving it back out. Because if we close that off, then he's not gonna flow through it. But if we allow it to come out, then we're gonna flow in the spirit. And that's what we should be doing. Amen. God's been doing it. Everybody's been, you know, we've all got testimonies. Brandon showed That's up today. Good. We had a great talk about things God's opening up in his ministry. Teresa, look at her. What was it last year? We were we were we were in serious prayer over your health. And now you're healthy and you're strong and you're gonna get better and we're gonna keep going. And yes, he's a good guy. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So today we're gonna to be talking about the bride of Christ. And it's going to be an in-depth look on our relationship with God. And God is the one who calls his church his bride. So he makes us reflect on marriage. And he makes us reflect on this relationship and this covenant. And this is something that's unique and special. And we're going to look into it today. So it's going to be some... Some good marriage counseling, all the above. But to start it all off, I figured we might as well hit the nail on the head. Because before we start talking about that, I want to talk a little bit. In Matthew 19, Jesus has a discussion about marriage and divorce. And we're going to talk about this, Blayton, because as we go forward and we talk about marriage and living for God and being his bride and all that, the devil wants to bring up what about the bad stuff. So we're going to hit it right off the bat and get over it. For one, we know God cleanses all sin and that he throws everything into the sea of forgetfulness. He's not remembering our past like we remember our past. He's worried about right now and he's worried about our future going forward. 
So we're not going to let the devil bring condemnation into this or make us think about things that we've done wrong. And we've all got sin in our past and all sin is in violation of God's word and God's command. So it doesn't really matter how big or how small it is. We're wanting to be right with God. But we are going to talk about it here. So chapter 19, Jesus, when he had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judah, east of the Jordan River. And a large crowd followed him there, and he healed the sick. Some Pharisees came to trap him with questions. So here Jesus is healing the sick, and these Pharisees come to him with questions. They're not even amazed by what's actually going on around them. They want to they bother Jesus they with these life-bothering questions. So the Pharisees ask him, should, be, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for any reason? So they come to him and they, and they ask him this question. And the devil's going to do the same thing throughout this. You want to teach, buddy? The devil's going to do the same thing throughout this Bible study. <laughs> I didn't mean. I said the devil's going to do that as I started playing with him. You are an angel, not a devil. I was not talking about that. <laughs> but the devil's going to do the same thing in this Bible study. As we are learning about God's word, he's going to sneak in and go, well, what about these little petty life questions? What about divorce? How are... How are we going to deal with this? Are we allowed to divorce our wife for any reason? They're asking about the fundamentals of marriage. And this is something that God established. So Jesus very quickly says, haven't you read the scriptures? So they want to bring him to all these crazy questions and dig into all this. And Jesus goes, you guys already know. I don't have to explain this to you. You guys already know. And Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So God is showing them here, this is how it was established in the beginning. That's very important because there was no such thing as marriage before the beginning. God had angels. God created things in His image. God created all these things. But there was no concept of marriage. There's no such thing as marriage. God, there was God, there was his created beings, some of which were on different levels. He had some that were made in his image, some that were made differently, just like he created on earth. We have animals, we have this, we have an image bearer. But it was different than anything that else that had ever been created when he made man and woman and joined them together. So because of this, we're going to go back and we're going to look at how all that got started. But we're going to continue forward a little bit here. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? So they're saying, well, okay, God established it this way, but how come Moses said he can do things differently? 
Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not that it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whosoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. So again, they bring up this sin. And they're like, well, God's like, that's not how it was designed. But your hard hearts and sin caused these divisions. But that's not how God intended it from the beginning. Now, same thing in life. God created a beautiful world, sin corrupted it, destroyed it, and we still think, how can we be saved in a world so full of sin? It's, it, it seems impossible. And that's the same thing that they brought to God here, and they're saying, how can anybody, it's better not to be married. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus says to him. Not everybody can accept this statement. And we're going to see God didn't accept that statement. Because in the beginning, he looked down and said, it's not okay. But we can make it better. And that's why Christ also made us his bride and he changed. We're going we're gonna to get into all that. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. Others have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone... Accept this who can. So he said again here, God correlates marriage, our earthly spouse marriage, to our relationship with God in the kingdom of heaven. So God's going to, he keeps drawing this, this conclusion. Correlation. Yes, correlation for us, where he wants us to see how these are going to fit together. So, we go, let's go to Mark chapter 10. This is another discussion about divorce where Jesus left Capernaum and went down to the region of Judah and into the area east of the Jordan River. Once again, crowds gathered around him and he was teaching them and some Pharisees tried to uh, uh, trick him by asking him this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? And Jesus said, what did Moses say in the law? Well, he permitted it. He said that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus replied, he wrote this command only because of the concession of your heart. But God made them male and female from the beginning. And this explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife. And the two become one. That's a very important situation. <laughs> Leaving your parents and clinging to your wife. Than your spouse. If you're married and you die and go to heaven, you still be husband and wife and get to heaven? Very good question, Dad. That's exactly what we're going to dive into today. Will we still be married when we get to heaven? Now, I will, I will, I will, uh, I'll sum it up in one quick scripture. There is a scripture in Peter where he says, be, be gentle with your spouse because she may be a weaker vessel. He says, but she is your partner in the promise of your eternal life. That's in Peter. 
and he and he bring and we're gonna again we're gonna get into that but I just but I wanted to throw that out there because that's one scripture I found that gave me a lot of peace because what a lot of people like to talk about is they bring up Jesus's discussion about the angels and they say well see Jesus said that they'll we'll be like the angels and we'll neither be married nor we'll be given in marriage but we were like the angels in the beginning too in the Garden of Eden, we were still like the angels. And what happened in the Garden of Eden? So let's go back. Because again, when they brought up marriage to Jesus, the first thing he said is in the beginning. I know, I know this world's twisted and everything's out of whack with sin and everything. But in the beginning, let's go back to the beginning. Yes, because we had, we had this relationship. God created things in his image. And he established Garden of Eden, which was his kingdom in heaven and on earth. And that's how he wanted it to reign until Satan destroyed everything. And we've been in a battle to get back to that point. Heaven is going to be a Garden of Eden setting again. We've, we read about it in, the, in, in Revelations. We read about the new Jerusalem, the new earth, the throne that's set up on all three. We, we read all about this and we know that's the promise. Is that we have a new life and a new earth. Which is a glimpse of Garden Eden. So let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Actually, we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock and the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry around on the ground. Why does God say, let us create man in our image? Why does he say that? I've heard so many topics about this and I love just dropping a bomb on it right here in this Bible study because this is, I've been told by philosophers and Bible scholars things that are not true when it comes to this subject. I've been told that Jesus was just talking in the plural form and he was a king and but that's not true. Because he's given us dominion, right? Yes. But he's so why does he say our image? Was Jesus schizophrenic? Did he have to talk to himself? Because he didn't. And we know that Jesus and the Father had the same mind. They talked about that. Jesus knew. Yes. Exactly. But who was he talking to when he said, let us make man in our image? Because that's a plural form. So it shows us, exactly, thank you, Candace. It shows us that there were other things made in God's image. He was talking to other things in heaven that were made in his image. And he said, hey, shouldn't we make something in our image on earth? So we have God, the supreme God. But he's made thing, everything on earth. He created everything. We're, we're never going to get that twisted. Nothing else ever created anything. Devil's never made anything. He's a liar. He only steals from God and claims his glory because he can't create anything. But God decided to make things in his image. Now, what does that mean? Because we have the image of God. But I don't look like him. I hope God isn't tattooed with the red beard. <laughs> we don't look like me. But he has an image, a character, a certain essence of who he is. And one of the big things about him is that he is 
free. God has the ability to choose what he wants to do. He can create and he can destroy. Now, he's the only thing that can create and destroy. But he has the ability to make the choice. So he created things in his image who had the choice to do right and wrong. We know that because we know in the Bible that angels fell, right? So angels can't fall if angels don't have a choice. I was taught in church growing up that angels were robots, and that's why God made human beings. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible clearly talks about angels who chose to disobey God, Lucifer being the highest one. And there were several other ones that happened along the way, which gets really deep. <laughs> but we know that they have free choice, and that's why they're made in the image of God. Man was made in the image of God as well. And we were placed on earth to be God's representative and to be God's image bearer in the Garden of Eden. Just like the angels are God's image bearers in heaven. They have the same role. They're in heaven. They handle God's business on his behalf. His ambassadors. Ah, we talked about that, didn't we? We talk about how the New Testament tells us that we're now his ambassadors. But we see how that was God's plan from the beginning of time. He wanted people to be his ambassadors. So he created angels who are his ambassadors in heaven. And he created man as his ambassador on earth. And both of them reigned. However... God does something unique with man. And we're going to see because he had a plan and he knew what was coming along the way. So then God said, let us make man in our own image. And God, then it says here, now this is important. In singular form, it says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So all of that plural talk goes away as soon as creation walks in the room. All things were created through Jesus. We know that. He spoke into the light. He had a human body. He used his vocal cords. He spoke into the light. And we have the same thing here on this. God creates man in his image. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it and reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along on the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees and are your food. I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along on the ground. Everything that has life. And this is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. And evening and morning passed away, which was the sixth day. So after God established everything on earth, he saw that it was good. And we're gonna, now he's gonna, we hear all that, and it kind of gives you an overview of, the next, of that whole period, that whole day. And then he goes into chapter 2, and he stops, and he breaks down and explains to you how this happened. How man and woman began to reign together over the earth. This is so beautiful, man. The more we break it down, the more we see... How beautiful. And, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm making no. Candace quiet up here. I added all this to what we had already put together. <laughs> so <laughs> we, 
Well, I, I, I told her, I said, we, I put all this together and the Holy Spirit showed me how we have to talk about this little prelude before we start getting into marriage. Because if we don't understand where marriage came from, how it came to be, we're not, we're not going to understand what the Bible explains about it. And you know, this had nothing to do with what we studied, but it's definitely no coincidence how many times he's just read how God made man and woman and God made them in his image and how corrupt you can see the enemy come in and say, if I can make marriage obsolete, if I can make man and woman obsolete, everything that was God's image, let me do, you know, dilute, let me confuse. And it's, it's, yes. it's just crazy. This is what God meant to, to corrupt be. And it what is we what were the made enemy for. is attacking us with right now. Yes. Yesterday I got to witness to a man in my work who came up to me and asked me, since they say we share a lot of the same chromosomes and things as animals, doesn't it make sense that we are descended from animals? And this is exactly what I dove into with them. Yeah. I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, we are not an animal because an animal is not made in God's image. We're bigger than that. We're better than that. And the devil wants you to believe that all day long. But we are his image bearers on this earth. When people want to talk about the bad problems that are going on this earth, they don't realize that they're actually casting blame on themselves because we were put here to govern over this earth. If people have given control over to Satan, which they have at several points throughout history, that's not the will of God and that's not why we were put here on earth. We were put here to rule over this earth, to make sure that God's word stands on this earth. So the creation of the heaven and earth and everything in it was complete. And on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation and he rested. God was able to rest because he created the heavens, he created the earth, and he created people to reign over them so he could sit back and rest. I've got angels taking care of heaven. I've got men taking care of uh, earth. Now I can rest. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day he rested from all of work of creation. So that's why God was like, I love this day and that's why I'm going to make it holy. That's why from now on, we don't work on the seventh day. We get to go worship in the kingdom of God because he reigns on all. He reigns in heaven and he reigns on earth. And we're free to rest on that day knowing that God's in control. This is the account of the creations of the heavens and earth. And when God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains grew on the earth. For the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and the people cultivated the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the whole land, and the Lord God formed man. Now, here he gets into the forming of man. God forms man from the dust of the ground. He breathes life into the man's nostrils. And the man becomes a living being. So God creates man from the dust. He breathes his spirit into him. And he creates man a living soul in the King James Version. But he makes him a living soul. That's another thing that sets us apart from everything else on the earth. We were created with a living soul. That's something that's different. I'm reading from the New Living in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going into eight now. Then the Lord planted a garden of Eden in the east where he placed a man he had made. And the Lord made all sorts of 
trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of it all, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed through the land, watering the garden, and delivered into the four, or split, divided into the four branches called the Epson, which flowed around the entire land of the Havala, and where gold is found. And the gold of that land is especially pure. All right, we're going to skip down. All the rivers, all the land, we get that. Then the Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But God warned him, you may freely eat from the tree in the garden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat it, you will die. So God placed man in the Garden of Eden to rule over earth. There's a reason why God cares about authority. There's a reason why God says man's the head of the family. It's not because he created both man and woman and then was like, yeah, I like this one more. That's not God and that's not fair and that's not just. But God created man to rule over the earth. That was the authority he gave him before woman was created. That was his job. But God had already been walking and talking. But, and women will justify to this, but man needed help. <laughs> Men need help. Amazing. <laughs> are your helpmate. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky and he brought them to man to see what he would call them and the man chose a name for each of them. Now, God creates man in his image to be his image bearer. And God looks down at him in a perfect image of God and says, it's not good for him to be alone. That speaks to God talking about himself. He wasn't just talking about Adam. He looked down and said, you know what? This is not good that man is alone. We, yeah, we have angels. We had God. Think about it. Adam had God in the garden. And God was like, this isn't, this isn't right, though. Yes, we're here. Yes, we're connected. Yes, we're friends. Yes, I can talk to you. But I want to create something bigger. Because remember, there was no concept of marriage. There's no concept of marriage. There was concept of creation and creator. There was concepts of a master and angel. There was these concepts. Angels ruled alone with God's help. Man ruled alone with God's help. But God was not satisfied with this design. He was like, there's got to be something deeper. We need a connection, a oneness, a helper who's willing to choose to be a part of this and to fight for your sake. And God says, we're going to create after he sends all the, all the animals. And he gave them names to the livestock and the birds in the sky and the wild animals. And still there was no helper just right for him. Ah, oh, this is so good. Because when God looked down, guess what? None of us were just right for him. There's never, we're never going to be good enough for God. But he wanted a pure bride. He wanted something that was holy, something that was worthy. So the Lord caused the man 
Now here's where it gets deep. The Lord decided to create something different. I'm going to create something different. And in order to create that, some things have to happen. So he caused man to fall into a deep sleep. He brought death. He had, there had to be death for this covenant to take place. He put him into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Adam didn't have anything. Everything on the earth was God's. God put him in his garden. God gave him food. God took all of this for Adam. But in order for Adam to have a wife and to have someone who is a helper and a part of him, he had to die and he had to pay. And he had to give something from himself to be in this covenant. And connected them and joined them together. Oh, this is so powerful, man. It's, it's so deep because it shows God's love and his relationship for us. He needed a covenant. God didn't have this covenant. That's why we're his bride. That's why he's waiting for us still. Because he looked down and he was like, I'm all alone. I don't have this covenant. I, and in order to, uh, to make this covenant possible... Someone's got to die. Someone's got to pay a price. And it's got to be from my flesh. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I lost where I was. It was so good. <laughs> so, yes. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. And he brought her to the man. And at last, the man exclaimed, Now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Oh, so God creates this bride, this beautiful bride, and he brings her to man. And man finally says, this is bone of my bone and this is flesh of my flesh. What if Adam would have rejected her? But he, he knew this is something that's united with me. This is part of who I am. And that's how every marriage should begin and should stay. You don't go pick a wife. God brings a wife to you. Just like God is delivering the bride to his son. He's going to make sure that they're clean and they're precious. And they're going to be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. There's a reason we're gonna, we drink his blood and we eat his flesh. Because we are united with right. God. We're going to become one with him. And she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. Now the man and the woman were both naked and felt no shame. And now we know that this is where the story starts going crazy. <laughs> this is where Adam and Eve mess up everything. Where he said, God, this woman is defective. <laughs> <laughs> But again, this is an example. Oh my gosh. This is an example of how God dealt with the earth. Because if you remember correctly, there wasn't just one covenant. God had two covenants. The same way man, kind, has two covenants. We're married on earth, but we're a bride in heaven. I've got a king that I'm going to be with. So we're going to turn to Hebrews 9. 
Hebrews chapter 9 is where we hear about covenants. We read about covenants that are taking place in the Bible. A covenant is a marriage, is a covenant. It's not just a promise. You promise somebody when you're dating them. But when you get married, you enter into a covenant with that person. Just like Abraham entered into a covenant with God. Abraham entered into the same covenant with God, but it was based on the blood of bulls and the blood of goats. It was based on earthly blood. It was an earthly covenant. That was Abraham's first covenant with God. Same thing with our marriage is a first covenant with God. But there is a second covenant that was still to come. And we know Hebrews here in 9 shows us how Christ came for a more perfect covenant. Which, again, is an example of God's relationship with the bride of Christ. So Christ now has become our high priest over all the good things that come. He has entered into a greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands. I'm starting verse 11. Chapter 9, verse 11. But with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered into the most holy place once and for all times, securing our redemption forever. So God had a covenant with Abraham. Adam never had a covenant with God. Adam had promises, and he had God's word, but he wasn't entered into a covenant with him. Abraham was entered into a covenant with God when they sacrificed an animal, and they, they had money and blood involved in that covenant. And it was the same way with Christ and his future church. It's the same way our first covenant now with our wife. When we enter into a marriage there's some things that it cost us. We should, our old lives are dead. I no longer live for myself. I live for my wife. All of my money is paid out. I'm paying for her now. I want to make sure she's comfortable. I want to make sure she's happy. Her life is the same. Her life is dead now. She no longer lives to make Candy happy. She lives to make me happy. The same way Israel and God entered into this covenant. Israel and God. Israel, no longer are you going to take care of yourself. Make Israel happy. We're not going to play that game. You're going to take care of me. You're going to worship me. You're going to make me happy in this covenant. Yeah, I'm sorry. You should have done that a while ago. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm not just going to sit up in heaven and make myself happy no more. I'm going to enter in this covenant with you and I'm going to take care of you. Now we know that that covenant wasn't good enough. So Christ came to make a new one. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies and up from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds. So the first covenant was an earthly covenant. And God entered into that with the blood of, the blood of, the blood of bulls and goats. But not with the blood of his son. Not with his own blood. And not with his own sacrifice. That's what Christ came to establish. Was to pay the price for the ransom. For the bride. For the church. And that's when he did the, had a covenant with man. When he poured out. Yes. This 
But yes, that's when the second covenant with God begins. That's why he said the kingdom of God is at hand. That's why he said the, you're the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is already going on today. We've already entered into that covenant with him. You're not dying, are you? Do we need to pause and lay hands and pray for her in the middle of Bible study? <laughs> so, so we had to we had to we had to lay this foundation in order for us to understand how we're to react as the bride of Christ. Now we're going to go into some of the Bible's instructions on us for how. The wife is to act and how a wife is to live in a relationship, in a marriage. And again, this goes to earth. This goes to our normal everyday life if you're married. It also goes to your relationship with God as a single woman and as a man. Again, we are the bride of Christ. That, that's, a, you know, it's weird to say, but like. There was a while where I really had a hard time being a lover of God. As a man, it felt odd to me. I've always saw God as a male. I've always seen him as this feminine or this masculine form. And for me to be loving, it was like, all, I know it's weird, but it was almost like felt homosexual to me. Like, well, I can, I can worship corrupted. him. I can, he's my master. He's all these things to me. And then God hit me one day and was like, but am I your lover? Do you love me? And it really hit me hard. And I was like, I started changing. In the past couple weeks, I made a point to every day say out loud with my mouth, I love you, Jesus. Right. What? It's a different kind of love. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. Very good. Very different kind of love. Yeah. It's, it's not a sexual, immoral, lustful love. Right. It's not. It's a complete. And, and marriage is the same way. If your marriage becomes about lustful pleasures, it doesn't last. But when your marriage is about being united in mind and in thought and in action as one, it's a beautiful thing. And it's the same thing that God. Yeah, that was very good. Thanks for bringing that up. Because that, that's exactly what God wants to establish. And that's what he teaches us every day. How to see marriage from that beautiful, godly perspective. And that's what we're going to dig into here. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is where... We, we, we pick up where we left off. <laughs> you don't have to stand up. You can still sit down. I'll sit it back down there. Yeah, starting in chapter 11. So I am glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. 1 Corinthians 11. Yeah, I'm starting in verse 1. Yep. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. So right away he says, Christ is the head, man is the bride. He told us right off the bat. So don't we, so no man can feel puffed up for being higher when he knows he's still under. No man can get puffed up for being the dominant when he understands he's still submissive. No man is, is above everything. We're all in line in accordance with God's will. Mm -hmm. 
But this is the line in the, in the, uh, the will that he established. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying and prophesying. Think that's what do you think that means? Yeah. yeah, what do you think that With means? A man having his head covered. Does that you mean know? my ponytail up here is going to cause me does to go to hell? Does that mean that I got a hat on in church? <laughs> does it mean that... It just told you. Yeah, it just told you what it is. It just told right. you the head... Don't yeah, yeah, go ahead. What were you saying? No. No, you need to talk. I'm going to talk too much. <laughs> yeah, it, it talks about the man having a covering, but that God is his covering. So yes. to have anything else blocking that direct contact with God is covering yourself with something other than God. That's powerful. Our pastor understands that concept. Yeah. That's why our pastor... Can you explain that a little bit more better for me to understand? Yeah. Because, like, for me... I have a compulsive disorder. So I don't know if you guys notice when I'm in church or something, I'm like this. No, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not I, a. I'm supposed to wear a hat to yep. keep my hands out of my hair. Yep, but it's deep. It's deeper than yes. something tangible. Okay. It's about your mind, yes. your mindset, your spiritual God connection. was never talking about your actual body in this passage. He wasn't talking about well, the Holy Ghost or a ponytail. Is this whole passage, he's referring to authority. authority. He's saying, I want you guys yep. to understand why I created things the way I did. Now, once again, Pharisees got caught up looking at law, and they didn't understand that there was a point of principle here that we can't pass up. It's not about having a hat on or not having a hat on in church. <laughs> it's, that's not what the point of this really was. I mean, we know in different cultures were different ways. Some people, you had to wear a headdress. In Jesus' time, even from Moses to Jesus, the differences that went through in their wardrobes and what they wore and how they did their hair is insane. God never really restricted that. Yes. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. So if you think of that in a spiritual aspect, if I'm filling my mind with all these things that I've heard from people and that I've read on Facebook and I have a thought process, a preconceived thought process, and I'm not letting God be my direct connection, but I'm praying about what I think in my understanding, in my thoughts about the situation, it's going to dishonor you. You're not... You're not getting that spiritual yes. influence from God. You're letting man influence all that you do. And to speak to the men, this is a clear passage here too that tells you, you better not let any man put himself over your head. Right. right. Bottom line, Brandon and me have a great relationship. I know I speak into his life. I know he views me as somebody who speaks into his life. But at the same time, I better not ever take the place of God in his life. Brandon has a relationship with God. He can hear God's voice clearly. God doesn't need to talk to me to talk to Brandon. God might use me to help influence him to listen to God more, but he has a personal relationship with everybody in this room. And that was the biggest thing. That's what Paul's talking about here. Do not let somebody else become your head. Because if they cover your head, it's dishonoring. Yeah. 
God is your only covering. He's your only head. And he should be the only thing over you in order for you to be in that line of authority. Now listen to this. Yes. Now listen to this. Now he will use people to speak into my life. Don't get me wrong. I'm authority. I'm under the pastor's authority. I, I believe it. Pastor comes to me and talks to me and tells me to do something. I'm going to do it. Even if it's silly. If he came to me today and told me to cut my hair, I'd do it. He hasn't. He actually tells me I can't. <laughs> but but the, po the point is just because it's a point of authority. Now, that can't get to a place where it's dangerous. Because I'll tell you what. If God tells me to cut my hair and the pastor tells me not to, I'm still going to listen to God. Because God's my head. He's my, he's my, my head over me. Period. Now, everybody else can be beside me. You can come alongside me. I come beside Brandon. I come beside Nan. I come beside Trav. I help encourage them. I help uplift them. I help point to Jesus. Yeah. But he's your head. So, and we got to remember that as the bride of Christ. So God is man's head. Man is woman's head. So it says, if a man's head is covered while praying or prophesying, it dishonors him. But a woman dishonors herself. Yeah, let's listen to this. So it says... But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering over her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Now, what is he saying there? Is he saying that woman... Yes. He's saying she needs to be in authority. Now, again, man stands in the place of God. So we better be in alignment with God. And we know that we're going to get into it. How we're as husbands to love our wife as Christ loves the church. So we're to be in, a, in accordance with God's will as we align ourselves this way. And it's the same thing with women. Women are to align themselves with their husband. The Bible says it very clearly. As if he is God. Oh, me and her have had long talks about that scripture. <laughs> long talks about that scripture. She likes to point out that God. Me doesn't and God leave. have had a lot of conversations. She likes to point out that God doesn't leave scripture. his dirty laundry in the middle of the floor. So, <laughs> but that, and you know what? That all of that, we, there's still something beautiful in God's word for saying it that way. You should view your husband as if he is God. He's a man of God. He's in God's image. He's trying. Is he going to make mistakes? Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. We're not redeemed yet. We're in the process of being redeemed, but God still calls us His. Well, listen, listen. We know that this that this is our curse, right? This brings us right back to where Daniel tried to start off in Genesis. Eve did not. Have a covering over her head. Let's look at this. Eve here. decided, eh, I don't need a covering. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm just going to go off of what I think let's, without my covering. Yes, yeah, so let's look at this here. Then the man Adam named his wife Eve, and she became that she would be the mother of. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. <laughs> all right, so. The serpent was in the, the, the shrewdest of all the wild animals. This is chapter 3 of Genesis. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So he starts off with confusion and, and re, like ridiculousness, if you think about 
Everybody knew they could eat all the trees. He didn't say you can't eat from the one tree. He didn't start there. He started with, wait a minute, so you can't eat any of the fruit in the garden? And she tells him, of course we may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden. But she replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat from. So he started confusing her right away. Oh, you're not allowed to eat any of the fruit? Oh, well, then you're allowed to eat most of the fruit. What's wrong with the one? She said, if you eat it, we must not eat it or even touch it. If we do, you will die. And the serpent lies back to her. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You will be made like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced when she saw the tree and how beautiful the fruit looked and was delicious. So she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband. And he was with her and he ate it too. It says he was with her. He wasn't away when the snake was talking to her. He was with her. He was standing there listening to this whole conversation go on. And who was he given dominion over? The wild animals. Right. The animals that scurry along the ground, which includes snakes. The fruit of the trees. All of the greens that grow on the land. Adam was in dominion over all of that. Not the woman, but Adam was. And she was made his helper. But Adam had the right and the authority to speak and say, wait a minute, animal, I'm over you. Shut up. You're not allowed to talk no more. And no, we're not eating this tree because God told us we're not allowed to do that. And it but Adam didn't do that. Because he didn't have Adam stood there quietly while all the things that were under his dominion were doing what they wanted instead. Mm -hmm. And you can see how there's no authority. Yeah. That's why Corinthians 11 is talking about authority. It's not talking about hairdos and how we pray and worship instruction or any of that. He's pointing at authority. Yeah. Yeah. So they both ate and the man was with her. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig tree leaves together to cover their nakedness. And when the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. Shows you again how Jesus had a body. He was walking in the garden. He wasn't floating in a spirit form. Shows you how time. He was walking in the garden. He was calling for Adam. He was talking to him as a man. So they hid from the Lord their God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden and I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. Now what did he talk about when he talked about authority in Corinthians? He said a covering of authority that went over you. Because it's like having your head shaved. It's like being naked. He's pointing out to you guys. We're going to live different than what caused us to fall. We're going to be in a line so that we're covered. 
We're in authority. We're not naked and afraid. Pastor talked about a sermon one time, naked and afraid. That was real good. The man replied, or wait, who told you you were naked? The Lord God said, have you eaten from the tree of the fruit I commanded you not to eat from? And the the man replied, it was the woman who gave me the fruit to eat. And the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? And the it was the serpent that deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent. Now, both of them just admitted that they were under the authority of the serpent. Of the serpent. Right. right. Man said, wait a minute, God. I was under her authority. God's like, what? And then she goes, wait a minute, God. I was under the serpent's authority. And we wonder why he reigns on this earth still today. Because man and woman gave him dominion over the earth. But God gave dominion over the earth to man. And then he sent his son to die to reinstate us as his bride reigning over this earth. Right, right. The serpent deceived me, she said. That is why I ate it. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, graveling in the dust as long as you will. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He's talking about authority. All of it. He says, okay, you guys just messed up. Now... There's going to be an authority struggle between mankind and the devil the rest of life. All because of what you guys have done now. Mm-hmm. And your children. Not your children. Yes, Their concept of authority. They're going to struggle. Then God looks to the woman. And he tells her, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and the pain you will give in birth. That evil Eve. But he also tells her another curse. And we always hear about that. Well, that's why it hurts when we have babies. Because what he did, doggone Eve. There was another curse that was worse than the pain of pregnancy. He said, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. That's a curse that came from what Eve did. God said, here's your curse. Now, he turns to the man. And he says, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Your life will will be, wait, all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. How many men are living under this curse? That's a rough curse. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat. Until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust. And to dust you will return. So, these are the curses. Now we're running out of time here. So we're going we're to keep this Bible study going next time. We're going to continue to get into yeah, the pride of Christ. And Candy will talk a lot more. Because I, this, that's what we've actually... We didn't even get into what we prepared. I'm gonna, I'm gonna a little bit. Yes. But before, before, before we get close to the end here. I want to point out in every, in every downside, God is a God of redemption. Yeah. I talked about those curses and where do curses belong? They belong nailed. 
to the cross right. where right. Christ put them. Right. He died on the cross to pay for all of our curses. And even as a man, I don't get that sometimes. I still think it's my responsibility to get up by the sweat of my brow and make sure there's food on the table. But that is also a curse that should be nailed on the cross. I'm a child of the king. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We're going to have food. I'll go to church. I'll go to work. Don't get me wrong. I'll go to work and stay in shape and bless people there and talk the word of God every chance I get. But I'm not worried about my living and I'm not going to live in that mentality. So I have to put that curse in my mind on the cross. Women, we're called to do the same thing. And men, as the bride of Christ, we are called to do the same thing. I am not to struggle with God to be the head over God. Yeah. There's a struggle there, and it's a curse, but I don't have to live by it. Right. Women do not have to struggle to control their husbands. That's a curse, and it can be left on the cross. You can now walk in faith and walk in peace and know that your husband is a man of God who's under authority with God, who God's going to take care of him, is going to take care of me, going to take care of everyone. But we've got we've to be willing to put Listen. that on the cross. Even as a man, I can't take control of my life and become the head over my life. I have to give that power to God. I've got to be able to submit to that and allow that to be. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves. How many men can testify to this? We will find ourselves trying to be the head over our family. I will think it's my responsibility to keep my kids healthy and safe. It's my responsibility to keep food in the fridge. It's my responsibility. And it, we want to. One of the hardest times me and Candace ever dealt with this was when we had our son, Victor. Where are our kids? That's really scary. But, but one of the hardest things we did was when we had Victor. Yeah, you didn't have to come in here, guys. I was just wondering where you were at. But... We had Victor, who was born with a disability. And that was one of the hardest times of mine and Candace's life because Candy had motherly instincts telling her what was best for our child. And she also had a husband who was telling her what was best for our child. And it wasn't that she didn't want to obey me. It wasn't that she didn't want to submit. It was that she loved her son and she wanted to make sure we were making the best decision possible yeah but and listen, it's yeah yeah but listen it i can tell you the one thing that helped me in my life that always brought things back around was saying you know what because my husband has made god his authority i can easily listen and obey him as my authority because he's making those choices in his life and I think that's a big thing, speaking, speaking to a lot of women is, yeah. you know, you have all these questions and things, and it's like, listen, we all have to fall in that line of authority right. for all things to make sense and work out beautifully and perfectly. And don't worry, we're, we're relating this to our relationship with God. Yeah. We are going to touch on and talk a little bit about what happens when my husband's not acting like Jesus. So we're going to get to that point, and we are going to talk about that in, in the next couple... I, I knew this was going to end up being a, a multiple Bible study one. You can't talk about marriage and all this and it not evolve into something this deep. It's a big concept and a big 
big discussion. So let's end in prayer. Did you want? Did you want to go back to Corinthians again? Um, we're gonna hit it again when we come. Yeah, back. we're gonna we're gonna hit it again when when we come back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, awesome. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Continue to prepare us to be your spotless, blameless bride, God. We want our hearts to be ready, Lord, for our groom, for our Christ to come and take us to paradise, Lord. We worship you and thank you for establishing our life authority and how we can live in your will on this earth. We worship you and praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.